Marketing, the casino for businesses trying to break through to the frontier of success. These are the voyages of entrepreneurs, dreamers, and really naive millennials on a mission to get ridiculously wealthy. To seek out new traffic to their stores, offices, and websites. This is Unbottleneck, the marketing podcast taking you to the farthest reaches of online and offline marketing. With the elite experts, professors, and that crazy guy with the weird haircut who has two gazillion Snapchat subscribers and wields his social media influence like a sword from Castle Grayskull dipped in CBD oil and lit with a blue flame ready to break through the tough bottlenecks of marketing. Welcome to Unbottleneck. Now here's your host, the nerd of nerds, Steve Wiedemann. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unbottleneck, the podcast where we solve common digital marketing problems. And today I'm with Andy Crestodina. Andy is the co-founder and chief marketing officer of Orbit Media, an award-winning 42-person digital agency in the beautiful city of Chicago. Over the past 20 years, Andy has provided digital marketing strategy to more than 1,000 businesses. He's a top-rated speaker at national conferences, a writer for some of the biggest blogs online and has a passion for all things digital marketing, something he and I have in common. And he's also the author of Content Chemistry, an illustrated handbook on content marketing. You definitely have to check that out. And he's written hundreds of articles on content strategy, search engine optimization, social media, and analytics. He's a mentor at 1871, the number one incubator in the US, a guest lecturer at Northwestern University, Loyola University, and others. Uh, he's a digital marketing instructor at Harbor Space University, which we're going to hear about in a minute. And together with the team at Orbit, Andy organizes a conference called Content Jam, mm-hmm. which is allegedly Chicago's largest content marketing conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Andy can be uh, found at orbitmedia.com. He's on Twitter at Crestodina, C R E S T O D I N A, if you want to check him out. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. And tell us a little bit more about this. Um, this Harbor Space University that you've been teaching at. Sure. Uh, my wife likes to travel. Uh, they're in Barcelona. It was an invitation to come teach a two-week class, which meant a two-week trip to Spain. She was excited about it. I was quite interested, so I agreed. It's vacation, nice. right? Let's go to Harbor Space. Yeah. Let's go to let's go to Spain. So uh, did that for uh, three years and loved it. They have they provide housing. It's like such a fun experience, and a lot of other marketers that you may know have also. Um, been guest instructors there. Uh, Mark Schaefer, Carla Johnson, um, other people, Jessica Best. Um, She she didn't make you run with the Bulls while you were there, though, right? No, I I would never run with the Bulls. I would have known that so quick. Yeah, that's just, uh, I'm not the, I'm not, I would have gotten run over. I would have gotten bored (laughs) for sure. Anyway, I love Harbor Space. This is my fifth year, but now it's remote because it's COVID era. And so um, it's something that I have to do very early in the morning right now. So during this week and the next week, I'm working, I'm like, teaching digital marketing from 6 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. And then I, I have my normal day, which is uh, fine. It's mostly fine, but uh, it does make for long days. <laughs> you, have to, you have to create a special Annie meme that's just like the, the one with the fire in the background in that cartoon. Right. Everything's fine. It's 5 a.m. Everything's fine. It's Everything's fine. <laughs> well, awesome. Could you, could you share a bit about the ongoing mission um, you know, and perhaps a little bit more about your new role at Orbit Media? I know you, you mentioned before sure. that, that we'd, well, we'd switch roles a little bit. Can you um, talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I am a, uh, I never had any special gift for the regular business skills. I'm not like a, 
like an MBA or, or that kind of thing. So, and, it, and I don't agree that it's a foregone conclusion that founders should be CEOs. Um, there are, it's not necessarily the best, the funnest job at a, at a company. I think it's a tough job, as you know, <laughs> Steve, you've been there, you are there. So uh, I got lucky in a way because my co-founder and I had a client, Todd Gettelfinger from Lead Vantage, change management consulting firm, who we got to know pretty well as, you know, being across the table, uh, working together, we're a web development company, we're building a site. And then he offered to come in and do some uh, advisory work when I got to know him better and he heard about some of our challenges. Right. So it went from client to advisor to sort of consultant to CEO. The day we said, like, listen, Todd, when you're here, it's a good day. When you're not here, it's a bad day. So uh, now there's a correlation. Yeah. Now, how fun. did that feel? Just just handing off all of the business responsibilities, the, the HR, the finance, the, you know, all the things that we struggle with as small agency owners, when you just say, hey, I don't have to deal with the business anymore. I get to do what I enjoy. I get to be in the marketing. What did that feel like? Well, it feels like this because I wouldn't be here otherwise. I was doing all this is how this is exactly what it feels like. I was doing all of the sales and marketing and yep. I was so I was writing proposals all night and talking to clients mm -hmm. all day, prospects all day. And it was miserable. It was really difficult. Yeah. We it's were, hard to be innovative, right? It's hard to to yeah. really oh, there's this new thing I can't wait to learn about AMP or I can't wait to learn about core yep. vitals and oh I can't. No, I have to be on a sales call. Yeah. Right? All the time. <laughs> yep. My first priority <laughs> was for clients. Exactly. Yeah. So I basically uh, after he came on board and built the sales team. I doubled my publishing frequency. I created a monthly event, which is now a bi-weekly event. I created that conference, Content Jam, that you mentioned. Uh, I wrote a book. Uh, I've and it's more recently produced, a, you know, built up a YouTube channel. So I would not be you. You and I wouldn't be talking. I would have never been. I would never have had the opportunity to double down on content, content marketing, search, influencer marketing, social media, email marketing, blogging, all those things. Um, right. So it made all this possible. And, and that's amazing. And, and all those all those things play a, a role in what the business does, which mm -hmm. you mentioned earlier, focuses around uh, web design. That's that's sort of the core uh, of the business. What 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 does Orbit do and how um, you know, how do you see the, the company growing in the next few years? Well, we do web design and development, which okay. I often tell people never let your kids go into web design and development because it is. <laughs> It's, it's a very challenging category in digital because and competitive. it's com very competitive, right? Low barrier to entry. Also kind of an emotional decision for clients. Like you have to love it. Literally, you need to have feelings mm -hmm. before you'll approve a web design. Uh, right. There's a million little details from accessibility, privacy laws, mobile friendliness, ability to track easily, to be beautiful, to be on brand, to convert visitors, to rank in search. I don't know. I think there's even more. security, yeah. privacy. Right. All of yep. those different elements come into play now, mobile and, and voice sure. search, voice search enablement. Yeah. There's a gazillion so much more now so that, many uh, details. That when you and I started. Yep. Yep. So we go back and back in that, in that era, you know, like early two thousands or nineties for you. Yeah. But now it's sort of like, you know, you have to be able to answer any of hundreds of possible questions, common questions, but there's still hundreds of them. Uh, and so it just ends up being a relatively low margin category, I think, in digital compared to some others. Uh, so you could, you should only do it if you love people and love providing service. More recently, we've added optimization and analytics as a service to clients for whom we built their website. Awesome. And now that's become a growth area and something that we're more focused on. Are there certain CMSs that, that, um, you like to focus on like WordPress, Shopify, WordPress, Shopify, and Drupal. Okay. Um, we use WooCommerce a lot. We use Drupal Commerce, but most of the work that we do is B2B lead gen sites built on WordPress, but actually we do all kinds of different stuff. 
Right on. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting a little WordPress burnout. I'm, I'm looking at ways that we can help our clients and make suggestions that um, involve long term if they end up going you know, somewhere else mm-hmm. that their sites won't get hacked. And I feel like WordPress, it's just so vulnerable. You know, if you don't if you don't keep it up to date within three or four months, you know, you've you've you know set yourself up for you know being hacked. So we got to be really careful. But it's uh, we do. yeah, you're right. I think it, it still is the best CMS that we know of right now for general lead generation. Even even for you know twenty products or less, and using WooCommerce, it's still mm-hmm. you know a great overall solution. I do like Shopify's features and integrations mm-hmm. with um, uh, you know their shop app and how quickly users mm-hmm. can tap their way through a transaction without having to use their keyboard. Where mm-hmm. WooCommerce hasn't gotten there hundred percent yet. But mm-hmm. hey, we're rambling. You've got a book <laughs> called Content Chemistry: The Illustration Illustrated Handbook for Content Marketing. Mm-hmm. It's been called the most practical book ever written about modern digital marketing. Can you tell us more about it and um, how um, how writing it continues to change your own understanding of online marketing? Yeah, uh, if anyone wants an, like a really uh, rewarding intellectual challenge, uh, <laughs> open a bottle of wine and make an outline of everything that you know on a topic yep. and then analyze that list to see if there's anything that you haven't ever talked about or written about or recorded a video for or published an article for. Mm-hmm. And then for the next six months, let's say, go through and, and fill in those gaps by publishing content on those on those uh, you know white space topics. Mm-hmm. And what you will, will have done is produced most of a book. Then you need to yeah. like take you know take a month off, or in my case, I got up an extra two hours early every day for three months, and fill in the blanks, create the cohesive through through line on the whole piece. You know, get the get the first draft ready, hand it over to an editor, hand it over to a designer. You get back a file that is basically ready for print. Work with the print distributor that knows how to handle all the Amazon relationship and that that sort of stuff. So I sort of blogged into the book. It's an amazing leave behind. It is um, the feedback on it is incredible. It sells enough to pay for itself. Uh, it's a textbook for my class, my classes at Northwestern at Harbor Space. So yep. it is a. Um, it's now it's in its fifth edition. So I have to keep rewriting this book, or it becomes irrelevant. Well, it's digital marketing, yeah, it digital makes marketing sense here. Yep, the yeah. earlier versions were pretty hilarious. It was like, here's how <laughs> Google authorship works. Your archive, archive.org, your your old original websites. I do that all the time. Like, look at look at me in my twenties doing this stuff. They look so small. <laughs> They're like eight 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 by six, right? Eight hundred by six hundred. They're tiny. Those old <laughs> websites are funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. Well, congratulations on the book. It sounds incredible. Fifth edition means you've put a lot of heart and soul in, in revisiting it. Um, I'm writing a, a textbook right now for, for students, and I went through that same outlining process. Mm. Um, I, I know exactly what, what, what you mean by filling in the blanks. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, in, in the SEO world, everything I went to go back to to repurpose was already outdated. So I'm mm. finding myself having to rewrite a lot of it. But for most topics, they don't change as dynamically as SEO does. So I agree. I think that could be a really easy process for anybody who wants to write a book. Yep. Thanks for sharing that. Sure. Um, let's dive into marketing efforts that are data driven. This is kind of a big topic for me and a pet peeve of mine of other agencies that we've worked with. In fact, some clients that we've talked to would fire their agencies after you know a, a group discussion where we, we talked about uh, data-driven uh, goals and KPIs because the agencies just didn't have any sort of bearing behind it. Uh, but first things first, um, you know what? Uh, what do currently? Let me think. What What do you currently do to identify uh, the right KPIs? Um, you know, for a client and um, you know, and maybe even for your own team mm-hmm. on how you can achieve goals um, for a project. Sure. Well, the biggest picture, and this is an oversimplification, but a useful one. 
The two most important metrics in digital marketing are traffic and conversion rates because traffic times conversion. What about revenue? Yeah. Well, in the marketing (laughs) world, yeah, for e-commerce, right. The conversion rate is a sale. So that would be revenue. Um, But thinking of that as useful because then you can basically boil it off and say, I need to do two things as a marketer. It's about the cheese and about the mousetrap. Yeah. Every marketing program that's failing is either failing at at attracting qualified visitors. Mm -hmm. That is often, but not always search optimization and turning those visitors into leads and customers, which is conversion optimization. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some reason, search optimization is like forever been a hot topic and conversion rate optimization. You hardly ever hear about, even though it's critically important. So yeah, oversimplification, cheese and mousetrap, SEO and CRO, uh, traffic and and conversion rates. But past that, when I, when I talk to people about marketing metrics and KPIs, uh, I try to highlight the importance of some of the more difficult to find metrics because those are often more related, more directly related to the bottom line. Root of the problem, right? Yeah. The, 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 you know, things like sales closing rates and net promoter scores and, you know, margin, these are difficult to find metrics, but they are absolutely connected to the sustainability of that business. Yeah. On the other hand, there's very easy to see metrics, top of funnel metrics, or even like things like social media metrics or rankings. These are super visible. Everyone can see them, but in fact, they are not that closely correlated to business success. Right. The conclusion becomes there's an inverse relationship between the visibility of a metric and its importance. The more visible the metric, the less important it is. <laughs> the more hard to calculate the metric, like I got to call a bunch of clients to find out my NPS, or right. I need to talk to my, you know, my CEO or a you know, business analyst to figure out sales closing rates or margins. Uh, those are the important ones, right? Very difficult to calculate or, to, or much more difficult, not accessible. So yeah, like you mentioned, CRO being uh, an important thing that, that mm-hmm. somewhat gets neglected, but there really is no SEO without CRO when we think about user search behavior. So you're, you're right. There's, there's definitely, I see where, I see where you're going with that. Yeah. It's, um, you know, conversion rates are only available if you have analytics set up properly. Right. It's a much harder metric to do, to do well. I've, I've almost every day I'm inside accounts where goals were set up in weird ways or that's hard to measure. Uh, You're measuring page views as a goal. What's going on? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's, which is so weird. Why do people do that? I frequently see Google Analytics accounts where time on, it's like, you'll find a goal, like the conversion rate on the website is 45%. What? 45% of visitors take action? Oh no, wait, they set up a goal to show people who spend three minutes on a page is a goal. A conversion, I'm a stickler about this. The word conversion should be taken literally. The noun that you use to describe that person should change. They were a visitor, now they're a lead. Now Now they're a customer, now they're a donor, now they're a subscriber, now they're a job applicant, now they're a... Registered. The only thing I could think of as to why they do it is to make make their reports look better. That's the only thing that I could I could think of as to why they do it because I've I've seen that I've even seen it with really large brands that we've worked with. One that had over four thousand locations. So um, I said, guys, let's let's absolutely track this as as events if this is important to you. But I don't yeah. think we need to track it as a goal, especially when when those goals are being ported into uh, bidding automation programs within Google Ads oh. or. You know, Bing ads, it just doesn't make sense. You're going to get a lot of invalid, um, you know, data, right? It's, so. it ruins that view, you know, might as well just burn it down and create a new view in analytics where you've got better data because, uh, what is, you know, you're, you basically claimed a KPI as the goal. It doesn't make any sense. It's yeah. not, that's not a goal. That's an engagement metric and it's available in other places anyway. Right. You don't even need it's to make it a, a goal. You could just track it as an event or just look at it. You know, yeah, you could, it's, it's there if you want to analyze it and you can yeah, make a segment into a data studio report, right? Exactly. 
Thanks, Steve. So I think I think we got two points. Point point number one is the the primary KPIs that a business could be tracking are are simply you know your like you mentioned traffic mm -hmm. um, and conversion, or if your e-commerce revenue. Mm -hmm. um, and then number two is that that the the actual um, uh, data that you should be looking at is probably the less obvious data. That's right. right. The data that you see every day that you can get from any program or application mm -hmm. is probably not as helpful as the data that you have to to work a little bit harder to get. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I love it. Um, you know, slightly different from goals and in, in getting into KPIs a little bit uh, deeper. How how do you define a KPI for for a business? If if you know, for those small businesses who are listening are going, what the heck is this KPI thing they keep talking about? Um, you know, and um, what goes on your list is sort of a mission critical top KPIs. You know, outside of just the mm -hmm. the um, the core things we talked about with traffic and revenue and and conversion. Mm -hmm. um, that can be tracked for SEO performance specifically. Sure. Well, if you think of uh, a, a KPI's key performance indicator is something that correlates with success. It is not success. It simply correlates with success. It's so, the journey, not the goal. Yeah, it, it's you're, it's a directional <laughs> cue, right? You're going in yeah. the right direction. If the, you could max out that KPI at some huge number and still fail, it, not less likely, but it's something that correlates. It's not the actual, yeah. it's not causal and it's not the ultimate purpose. So here's a classic example. Uh, you teach someone the importance of domain authority or whichever tool they use, authority score, sure. domain rating, or you know whether you're Moz or Ahrefs or SEMrush. Okay, right. so now people are, they have a metric to measure link popularity or you know their backlink profile or whatever you want to, you know, there's different jargon for this. And then people begin to focus on that. And sometimes they start to obsess over that as if that's the main point of their marketing, which is that's the goal in life. It was never the goal in life. When they, when they see it go up, they celebrate. When they see it go down, they cry. It's not actually the point, nor is it actually Google. It's not Google either. It's a it's an it's a proxy metric. It's a proprietary, yeah. Yeah, it's a software tool that's emulating Google, and it goes up or down sort of based on does that tool go to capture more stuff today or less stuff today. Uh, so in the end, it's not domain authority is not rankings. Rankings is also insufficient. You need a click through rate. Once you get a click-through rate, you've got a visitor. When you need the visitor to get the conversion, so conversion and success is a chain. You can analyze anyone's digital program by looking at the strength of each chain. If there's a weak link in the chain, as in that KPI is lower than expected, you could focus on that. To focus on that, you're going to be creating a hypothesis, ideally a list of hypotheses. Your next job as a strategist is to prioritize a list of hypotheses, right. and that's how to be a strategic, focused, targeted digital marketer. Is and, to, and have it and have it as in an action plan somewhere yeah. written that everybody sees and is accountable for, not just, hey guys, let's try this thing. It's like, well, how is that backed by anything, any data, yeah. any plan or strategy? Well, we did it for a client five years ago and it worked. <laughs> it's like, I, it, let's, it, let's put a plan together, yeah. an action plan. Let's delegate it out and start working on it and hold each other accountable every month to the results, right? They say uh, to that point, really important point that you just made, Steve, is like, oh, this worked once for someone else. The best way to think about best practices are just that they are good hypotheses. Right. A best practice is a hypothesis. It doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And why would you need best practices at all if you have your own data? Yeah. What worked in your context, your content, your audience, your your, your platform? So, what what worked previously that we stopped doing that we might revisit? I remember a client of ours in in Australia used to create great traffic driving content. And then, you know, the way that people consume content changed. 
and their traffic started to go down to those pages. Mm -hmm. So eventually he realized, hey, let's let's revisit these pages. Let's add um, commentary from actual doctors and, and nurses. Let's add some social media components to it. Let's add better references and diagrams. And before you know it, all those uh, pages, you know, were, were um, moving up in the search results again and driving more traffic again. But um, it didn't. It didn't take uh, recreating the wheel. They knew they had great content. They just needed to to give it a little bit more love and attention and look at the pages that that didn't go down to realize what those differences were. Um, you know, it's interesting when I think about the the KPIs around SEO. Uh, one of the things I like to do is is break out the responsibilities of each team member hmm. um, or each group for. Um, helping us achieve the overall objective, right? The overall objective is, yeah, let's increase revenue and let's increase traffic. But everybody's, you know, everybody plays a role in that. For the the web developers, you know, we might be looking at um, Deep Crawl or Screaming Frog mm -hmm. or or Write, you know, R Y T E, um, maybe even SEMrush's uh, own uh, crawl tool, and and use that as a bit of a guide, um, you know, while still breaking out the areas of accessibility, security, privacy, mm -hmm. uh, mobile friendliness, and then say. Here's where our baseline is based on on the metrics that we have. This is where we currently are. Um, where do we want to be in 12 months from now? Um, and what are some milestones that, you know, that we can look forward yeah. to as we try to reach those things? Then you hold that team accountable to those results. You know, it's a performance thing. It's a incentivization mm -hmm. uh, opportunity, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and no, that's just one group. Now, the content team, same thing. Right. Uh, you, you live and breathe in content world. And. Uh, so many times I've seen great writers write great content and never once look to see how their content's performing. Hey, you you applied these um, six core search terms mm. to this page, right? Mm -hmm. A primary and then maybe some derivatives, um, you know, and a, and a subtopic that, that are all really high traffic driving keywords. How are they performing? How are they ranking? Uh, are you watching the top performing pages to see what they're doing and changing? Are you are you getting like a, there's a tool called visual ping that we use that hmm. tells you when a page changes. It's hmm. a free, free tool up to like five searches or whatever. Cool. And, um, you know, I, I find it so interesting that these writers put such great effort into their content, but they don't, they don't take the time to see how their content's performing over time. And if we can, if we can figure out a way once a month, you know, to circle back with that team and say, how's your content doing? Um, our KPI, right? Our KPI goal um, you know, was was to go from not ranking to being in the top five positions uh, within 18 months. Mm -hmm. That's our goal. How are we doing to getting, you know, getting to that goal? What's our percentage, um, you know, of, of where we are based on where we should be if, you know, we're going to hit that 18 month goal. And the third part, I think, you know, gets into, well, third of four parts, I think gets into, you know, the off page side, like you said, mm -hmm. the link metrics. Yep. What's the quality of the links of the specific pages of the links that, um, that we're getting, not the domain. Anyone can create a link on some hacked subdomain somewhere on some really high authority website, but the page itself, what's the likelihood of that page actually getting links on its own of sending good quality referral traffic, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe just, you know, being seen by thousands of people for brand awareness, um, you know, setting some goals with the team of where we are with our links and where we want to be in 12 months. Mm -hmm. And that last piece, um, as you mentioned, CRO is so important, so much important that I've, we've actually seen correlations in what happens within Google search results with search behavior. If the user sees a, a result that stands out, if there's 10 listings on the page, and they click on that result more often than other pages, and for the most part, they stay on that page. It seems like without changing the content or the links, that page continues to move up. Huh. But if if the page doesn't convert well, if it doesn't solve for, for what they're looking sure. for, if it hasn't addressed their browser, their internet speed, their um, accessibility needs, 
right? Then, then over time, those users are going to go back to the search results, choose a competing result, and then the search engine goes, hmm, I thought you were helpful, but you know what? People who go to your website tend to come back and choose someone else. So we noticed that that search behavior is really important. So the sure. KPIs that we like to set with the whole team, the content team and the tech team, is, is to work with our titles, descriptions, and, and really rich results that can appear within um, you know, our listing within the search results. So I think, I think as we set KPIs, if we, if we assign them, like you said, delegating is everything, mm -hmm. assign them to those different teams, mm -hmm. um, and then revisit once a month to see what percentage toward our goal we're getting to, um, that's, that's the sign of a, a business that uh, is going to succeed. The strategy part, of course, is the foundation, you know, but the, the ongoing is, is paying attention and, you know, making sure that we're, we're keeping up with where we want to be um, because six months goes by like this and you look yeah. back and you're like, you know what? I have no idea where I'm ranking. I'm, we're, I've moved on to these other things and right. haven't realized that my page went from, you know, page two to page six. Right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, I'm, I'm rambling, but that was, um, you know, that's, that's my thinking, you know, as, as we, you know, as, as we learn as a business, you know, how, how we can track and measure what we're doing in search. It shouldn't be the one SEO guy. It should be everybody who's involved, all the stakeholders. Yeah. Um, that makes this SEO job, you know, so much easier, I think. I, I've heard and, it said SEO is an outcome. It's not a job. Yeah. It's everyone's yeah, job. That's a great way to think about it. Yeah. I love it, that. It, it's not exactly as, you know, one person does one thing. People who don't understand <laughs> this say, oh, I finished this thing. Now go optimize it. That's yep. not how it works at all. Now, I'm, I'm not going to lie, what we're using most of the time for a lot of our clients is just a Google sheet. You know, we, sure. we break down the different, you know, tech and um, content and off page and then traffic metrics, you know, mm -hmm. and, and we keep that in a Google sheet. And every month we put our data in a data tab and, and then we extract it to see what our year over year is in another tab. And then we have a dashboard, you know, that that shows how we're doing in terms of getting to our, our uh, KPI or hitting our KPI goals. But we do have some data studio Mm -hmm. um, things that we put together, but because analytics is so slow, some of those data studio reports just take forever to propagate. <laughs> what are some of your favorite tools? What do you use to track KPIs um, when it comes to digital marketing? I live and breathe inside Google Analytics. It has okay. there's limit there's limits to it. Um, if you're if you're serious, not about, Google Analytics four, right? Universal. I'm not using Analytics four yet. Okay, uh, but that's going to be <laughs> a do. new focus area for me. Uh, uh, I will be um, if you're if you want to go one step farther and get better data for the for the sake of conversion, uh, I would use Hotjar to see click heat maps yeah. and scroll heat maps to give you much better insights into what, and, great and screen recordings uh, for KPIs and to move uh, and for more detailed information about things that analytics doesn't track, such as ranking fluctuations. Then um, every day I use both Moz and SEMrush. Okay. Not that I, there, I mean, this doesn't really matter to me. I don't, Jay Bear says, right, it's, it's about the wizard, not the wand. Uh, I, one of my most common questions is which tool should I get? And it just, I'm not sure. I, I don't just really love the question. One, pick one and use it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, they. I, I don't know that there's that much. I mean, everyone has an opinion about this, but I don't think the tool is the point, of course. Um, mm -hmm. Back to KPIs and as a content marketer, one of the numbers that I love to focus on, and I think it does, I agree, it does correlate with search rankings. It, um, yeah. The user's experience, as you said, uh, is time on page. If I, I know that if I write these, these articles that have like seven minutes and nine minutes time on page, these are also the articles that rank like a champ, right? Because they are super long, they're, they're detailed, they're complete, they answer every related question. I'm putting videos, I'm, I'm shooting videos to put on the top of these pages. But it also helps us learn about our, our audiences and we can put those folks who spent seven minutes on a page into a custom audience for retargeting. 
for sure. I should probably do that. Uh, it, you, you bring up a huge blind spot for me. I have never run an ad. This is a $6 million oh, really? agency with 42 employees and, and we do... <laughs> You know, we've got 400 clients. I've never tried that, advertising. That, that says something about the business, though. That means you're doing such a great job organically that you haven't really needed it. Yeah. That's amazing. We're beating our sales targets. I, I should, but I, I definitely should, right? Like um, try retargeting. You can get a lot of great data from running ads. We like to look at our search term reports and ads to help us to improve our SEO. We like to look at our placement reports from display, non-remarketing, but regular display um, as link building and native advertising opportunities. You I'm know, sure there's, I there's so much time you can extrapolate from your ads that you can't get from just organic. I'm sure. But this is, remember, like this is, um, we have one and a half marketers here. We get, we generate 900 leads a year and a million and a half visitors with with this much effort. That's it. Like this is sufficient. So it's a question right. of like, you know, what else, you know, I'm sure it would be effective. It's like gated content. Never tried it. Pop-up windows. Never used one. Yeah. Should I? I? I Maybe, but I if you're know. meeting I, your goals, I'm not, I'm not, if I'm not a fan of it, I don't want to do it. Like pop-ups drive me crazy. <laughs> I, I, I personally don't enjoy seeing pop-ups, but yeah. I've also seen every single, you know, I've, I've seen every case study that shows that they're somehow effective. Anyway, yeah. if you're meeting your goals, then maybe there's, you know, it's, it's not necessary to do those other things. Yep. Uh, next question that we had, we, we put a few questions together that we, we thought would be really helpful to folks that, um, they haven't really experimented much with tracking and measuring results. Something that uh, many SEOs and marketing professionals must conquer is that translation of tracking and reporting terminology into user-friendly language. We probably accidentally used a bunch of big words, even in this podcast, that marketers were like, okay, I'm going to have to go back and Google that. <laughs> We've heard more, more than once from clients, just give it to me in plain English. Um, in fact, we heard that yesterday from one of our accounts. Um, can you give us your tips on effectively communicating in conversations and in reports and understanding some of these important metrics um, and, you know, data to business owners and entrepreneurs that, you know, really don't speak the language of marketing and potentially don't express an interest in learning uh, the definitions that, you know, that we live by. Nor should they have to if they're not a <laughs> practitioner. It, you know, you don't need yeah. my major in college was Mandarin. How useful is that to me? Not very, Mandarin, really? because I'm not That's here. Amazing. Yeah, I, I'm in Chicago. I don't need Mandarin. <laughs> I used to love it and speak Mandarin all day, every day. So I, I learned French in high school because I thought it'd be sexy for you know for dating or something. And I was like, why didn't I just take Spanish? I'm in Southern California. Yeah, <laughs> so we all you. regret not learning Spanish, but French is kind of <laughs> yeah. sexy. Right. So so the but back to search. If one of the best compliments you'll get is like, hey, that made sense. Someone finally had you know explained it to me in plain English. Thank you for speaking English. I get that. People say that. So if you are, so as a content marketer, you're very sensitive to your language because you have to, you're trying to connect with people and you're basically the best marketers are teachers. Uh, the best brands are empathetic. Uh, the best mm -hmm. salespeople use the language of their prospect. It's all basically the same, the same thing. Right. We have to connect with people where they are. Communication isn't what you say. It's what they hear. That's the definition of communication. It's like what finally made it into their brain. So, right. I do, people do like to learn though. And I do frequently explain terms like, and I, and, but I qualify it like mm -hmm. SERP nerds like me actually use that term. It just means search engine results page. And you've seen a million of them. You just maybe never knew there was a name for it. Yeah. Dwell time, uh, mm -hmm. you know, backlink profile, anchor focused, you know, uh, keyword focused anchor text, right. uh, domain authority. Uh, you know, there's so many of these different, different metrics different names, different jargon. And the newest core web vitals. Core web vitals. Yeah. 
first input delay. And that one has got a, it's like a new accelerated mobile page. What? Yeah. What's going it's on? It's like a new dialect. <laughs> first contentful paint. You know, that's not an actual term. Like contentful is not a word. Like Google's yeah, making no, up I new words. Like, yeah, like, am I reading it wrong? No, like, I, I, I had to look that one up. Go. I'm like, no, that isn't a word. Google just made that up. So anyway, <laughs> it's it, the, the point is to uh, persuade, to be clear, not to be clever. Uh, I think that people use big words because they're insecure and they want to sound smart. But you risk, but when you try to make yourself sound smart, you risk making the, the listener feel dumb. And that is bad for a conversion. It's bad for sales. It's bad for teaching. It's bad for communication. It's not, you're not being a good sure. internet citizen. So I love, I love your idea about asking the the clients as you're talking to them, what do you, what are, what do you consider points of success, right? What, yeah. what happens when somebody you know goes to your website and they fill out a form? What do you, what would you call that? And then you take the, their language and how they see it. And then yeah. you, you convert your reports into uh, that's brilliant. It's a great idea. Andy. Yeah. And, and they, and you know, conversion, that doesn't make sense to people don't talk that way. What's a conversion? Oh, we improved yeah. our conversion rate. Conversion rate? What are you talking about? Bounce rate. I was on a conversation this morning. You know, I want to I want to uh, increase the amount of time people spend on this page because everyone's bouncing. Wait, those are different things. Bounce rate yeah. is not time on page, nor right. is time on page bounce rate. So, you have to define so these that, terms. That if high you bounce rates because people are getting what they need, perhaps like a phone number or something. Yeah. right. It's it's okay. It's not bounce rate's not always a bad thing. What's a bounce? Well, a bounce is a one, and then and then like at conferences, people want to sound smarter than the other person. So it's like, what's a bounce? Oh, it's a one page visit. No, it's not. It's a one hit session. If an event gets triggered, then it's not a bounce, right? Well, what if you set non-interaction hit to true? What if you set like yeah. Google Tag Manager, you can create, you know, depending on your category action and label for your bounce, like, dude, who cares? This isn't yeah. the point. The point of marketing isn't to make yourself sound smart. You're like one of those sports nerds who quote <laughs> baseball stats. This is not the exactly. point. Of, yeah, this isn't good for, for, for your personal brand to talk that like yeah. this. Are we the point is are we learning about what our customers are doing or not doing that that drives conversion, right? And and I think you know um, arguing over the the definitions of words instead of focusing on just really fully understanding what the users are trying to accomplish so that we can make that happen faster is really the end goal. Yeah, um, you're right. You know, as as, as nerds love to uh, get into the, the the meat of things a little too much, or which is fine. Over over analyze things. Yeah, if you know. you're with a bunch of nerds, it's you know everyone speaks the same dialect in that tribe. It's like human behavior. But here's some language that I use that people relate to, Con and this yeah. boils a lot of it off. Content marketing is a test of generosity. The brand or the person that gives away the most helpful, useful advice mm -hmm. and promotes it well will win the most love the most awareness, the most business. Oh, that makes I've sense. That, that really so is. Mm -hmm. That is what it is. That's what it, That's what we're all doing here. That's the point. Yeah. Search rankings, that's part of it, not a goal, yeah. right? What, what is our goal? It's to be a good internet citizen. <laughs> it's, to be, it's to be helpful. Same as it ever you was. You learn something that, that you don't, that you, took you a while to figure out on your own that wasn't available online and you share it. Yeah. Someone else who had that same problem is going to see that and they're going to be thankful. I love seeing those thank yous in the YouTube video comments yep. and the, you know, the blog comments. I, I think it, it's, it's rewarding. And it, it also, it's, it makes you smarter when you, when you teach something yeah. that you learned, you learn it even more, you lock it in, you know, learn something valuable and then teach it. That is good in life. I mean, twas <laughs> ever thus. So you and I are both teachers. We're both like university style mm -hmm. teachers. So that, that makes us, um, we get an extra perspective that way. That's true. Well, I know, I know you have a hard stop, Andy. I want to, I want to be 
uh, conscious of your time. I have one more question. If time permits, I have an optional. Uh, and this relates to A-B testing. Mm -hmm. A-B testing seems to be something that a lot of businesses get hung up on. Um, one, because they just don't have the resources. Two, they, they hear the term Google optimize and start to panic because they've never used it before. Um, can you can you kind of give us your approach and your take on A/B testing, especially as it relates to you know search engine optimization and conversion rate optimization? Sure. So as I said before, success is the last link in a chain. So start from the last link. My my strong recommendation is that you begin at the end, because if there's problems with the very last link in this chain, nothing else matters. So for example, obvious example, your contact form is broken doesn't matter how much other marketing you do, like people can't fill out the contact form, like you'll never generate a lead. In B2B lead gen, like you just, your phone doesn't work. You know, it's like, it's, it's like a critical, pro, it's like a disaster. Okay, con so is your contact page effective? Is it is it simple? Is it persuasive? Uh, is it is it a greedy form or, a, or a, an easy form? Okay, that's, do that first. Make sure that's optimized. Next, the calls to action that bring people to the contact page. I'm gonna go backwards through a user experience. Because my goal is to build a bridge from Google.com to the thank you page. Mm -hmm. That's a way to summarize digital marketing. I can't just use learn more on all my buttons. <laughs> you can try. Well, <laughs> maybe. So so I, I, I don't know for sure. Potentially, yes. There's a way to find out, and it's called A-B testing. So the call to action <laughs> that brings people to the contact form, uh, that can be tested. Give me one second. The page where that, where that exists that should have created the demand and interest where the person felt enough trust to click that button. So... Next, next, you know, the third step in the backwards chain would be to improve the service page. The next step before that would be the home page. The next step for that I would prioritize might be the about page. The next step before that I would prioritize might be the branded search results page. Are there any reputation issues? You'll never even know if if that's a failure because you don't get any analytics on who didn't click. You know, uh, so going backwards through the funnel all the way from the last step to the first step, prioritizing the end. From that confirmation page yeah. all the way back. All I the way back. Approach. Yeah, because, genius. because if there's not, if there's, uh, you know, there may be already people on your contact form right now. As you list, as every listener listens to this, as you and I are speaking right now, there may be visitors on our contact page who bail out at the last second. So definitely do that one first. So, go, so I would optimize from the bottom up. And when you get to things like a call to action, you are really just guessing unless you have a little bit of data to inform you. You could do that as a pre-post test. Just change your call to action and go look to see if the click-through rate changed. That's the percentage. I, I want to define my terms now because we, we we just finished complaining about jargon. Going through definitions. Yeah, yeah. Talking about CTR. <laughs> the percentage of people who land on that page and then click on the call to action is called a click-through sure. rate. So yep. the click-through rate for that call to action is measurable in an analytics report called the navigation summary in mm -hmm. 10 seconds, I can tell you how many people clicked on every button on every page. It's in the navigation summary report. So if you change the call to action from learn more to chat with Steve to get fresh ideas about your content marketing, right. your search optimization, and then I go back and I, and I run that for two weeks, assuming there's not big seasonal changes or other you know trends. Yeah, varies based on how much actual traffic you get to your page. So yeah, you there's all you might need enough to traffic leave. to make a. Right. It might be three months that you run the test if you don't get very much. If you're not getting very much traffic. It's a problem. A lot of people, a lot of listeners, a lot of friends, me personally, lots of us don't really have so much traffic that we get to strong yeah. statistical relevance. But if I change the CTA and I see a lift in the click through rate from that page to that form, success. So in the end, yeah. the lots of all marketers have ideas. 
but the best marketers have hypotheses. Hypotheses is simply an idea that you can go make a change and measure the impact. And the way to do that is either simply making a change in the CMS, in the content management system, in WordPress, and then going to see the change in the navigation summary report, or to use a tool like Google Optimize. If that sounded scary, I would just encourage you to be patient for a half hour while you set it up because it is way easier than you'd think. It, you don't even need software anymore. You don't have to pay any money anymore. A-B testing yep. is so easy to do. Um, on the other hand, don't test something if you know that it's broken. Just fix it. <laughs> I think people like, yeah, right. say, yeah. People like A-B, I should A-B test this. No, you shouldn't. It's not working. Yeah. It's, de- yeah, it's definitely bad. Go change your, it. Your form, your form has 43 fields on it. You, it's broken. Yeah. You don't need a, a B. Just do the A. Right? Just, just fix it. Exactly. Well, Andy, I know you got to get going. Um, in in one minute or, or less, let's see if we can get through just a really quick lightning round of questions. Sure. Um, number one, what is your favorite digital marketing tool? Google Analytics. All right. Yeah, fair enough. Um, who should we follow if, if we want to uh, get better at, at digital marketing in general, broadly? Brian Massey from, okay. from Conversion Optimizers. Right on. Okay. And or conver- conversion, way- I'm sorry, conversion sciences is the name of the company. His company. Okay. Fastest way to rank a web page in search results. Find a page that almost ranks and go rewrite it, adding depth, detail, data, contributor quotes, video, diagrams, images, content and quality. Nice. Biggest myth in SEO. Uh <laughs> Duplicate, in your opinion, uh, duplicate probably. I should say SEO is dead because people keep saying that. But <laughs> I think the biggest myth is that there's a penalty for duplicate content. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Pierre Farr used to say that to us all the time. He's like, "Don't worry about it. It's there's no penalty for it. Just try to get it cleaned up and make it focused for, yeah. for one page." Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, Andy, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking time and and sharing so much information about content strategy and KPIs and and how to measure results. This was a lot of fun. And um, what are you doing right now that um, that you want to tell people about and how can they reach you? Uh, I'm easy to find, orbitmedia.com. I write an article there every two weeks. So if anyone were to subscribe to that article, that's the only email they'll get is one article every two weeks from me. That's my frequency. I don't have time to write no spam, more. just email. Just, just an email every two weeks. And, please, <laughs> if you, and if you're already on my list and you're bored with it, just unsubscribe, please. I do not want to send any email to anyone that doesn't want it. Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best way to connect with me. That'd be my most active social network. And uh, I right now have it switched to, to follow instead of connect. This, you can change okay. that blue button. Skip the follow. Just click the more or whatever the dots and scroll down and you can click to connect with me. Um, I connect with every marketer that sends me a connection invite. Awesome. And guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Unbottleneck. Andy, thank you so much for being on our show. And for everyone, we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you, Steve. 